What's up, y'all? We are back again on today's episode. Going to be talking a lot of football playoffs in both the college and the NFL with a huge football weekend coming up this weekend. Also going to be talking about some coaching changes in football and some early season NBA action. Episode 28 coming at you right now. and welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. I'm Landon Pangburn, along with my brother and co-host Preston Pangburn. We've got a ton to talk about in sports this week, and especially this upcoming weekend. But first things first, yesterday was your 30th birthday. Happy birthday, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah, definitely feeling older, but it was a, it was a good birthday weekend. We celebrated by going to one of our favorite Atlanta area restaurants. Tori and I went to St. Cecilia and Buckhead the other night. That was delicious. And then yesterday, my birthday morning, I went and played some tennis and the hamstrings felt a little tight, but other than that, you know, came out of there unscathed. So feeling good. There you go. Yeah. One thing I learned after turning 30 is that you begin to hurt yourself doing nothing. Like you'll sleep and then you wake up and something hurts and say, how did I do that? I I didn't move. Yeah, but I've had that problem in my late 20s too. So yeah, fair enough. And then your L in tennis doesn't even count because you were playing someone who was in his 20s. Yes, I played against Ruskell and he beat me, but he doesn't turn 30 until March 26th. So like... I'm 30. How the hell am I supposed to yeah. beat a guy in his 20s? Erroneous. He's, he's so nimble and quick. Erroneous. Like, yeah, Doesn't count at Ridiculous. All. Does not count against you in the slightest. Right. I'm with you on that. All right. We're going to start off with a little football talk. Let's do it. Let's start by talking about college football. We had the college football playoff this past weekend and game one started out with the most predictable first couple drives you could ever imagine. What did you think about Alabama and Notre Dame? Yeah. Well, just in general, those two games in the playoff were the first of all, the most predictable game I've probably ever witnessed in my entire life. Everyone in the world knew exactly how that game was going to go, and it played out exactly like we thought. And then you had a very unpredictable game. But to start off with Alabama and Notre Dame, they were just clearly outclassing Notre Dame. They had the best athletes on the field. Devontae Smith, once again, just torturing everybody. Guy clearly deserves the Heisman, which is going to be given out tomorrow, by the way. So not really anything unexpected. Don't have a ton to say about that game other than Alabama is really good. They are. They came out real hot, got up 14 to nothing, and then kind of tapped the brakes a little bit, ended up winning 31 to 14. And the saying goes, good teams win, but great teams cover. Alabama did not cover the 20 point spread. So they, they don't have much momentum going into the natty next Monday. <laughs> I think they're going to be fine. That that offense is just so high powered. They can score on anybody. It's going to be a really, really fun shootout with Ohio State. It is. And you mentioned the Heisman ceremony tomorrow night. And I just wanted to mention real quick, two of the finalists are from Alabama, quarterback Mac Jones and wide receiver Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is a pretty heavy, heavy favorite at this point for, you know, a couple reasons. And one of them is that, you know, what happened in this game against Notre Dame was kind of a microcosm of the whole season, right? Mac Jones threw for 297 yards and four touchdowns and 130 of the yards, 44% were to Devontae Smith and three of the touchdowns, 75% were to him. Like Mac Jones, if you look at his raw numbers, they stack up against other you know Heisman winning quarterbacks, but it's rare to see such a high percentage of the yards, the touchdowns, the big plays go to one guy. And Devontae Smith is just that game changer. So I hope he wins it. 
Yeah, it's pretty incredible that they've been able to maintain their scoring prowess and just ability to move the ball once Jalen Waddle went down because they really don't have a clear number two guy behind Devontae Smith at this point. John Mechie's pretty good, and that Billingsley guy and, and Miller Forstall, they're all like decent guys, but no one's really a stud other than Devontae Smith. I'm just amazed that with Waddle going down, they've still, still been able to keep up this level of production. Yeah, they've, they've just been amazing. And the, the passing attack, it just keeps getting better. They they used to be known for, you know, Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, kind of this pound it and play defense. But yeah, they their offense is high powered. I did see that they became the first team, which when you think about it, this isn't that surprising, but they became the first team in the history of FBS football to have a running back or a runner rush for 20 touchdowns and a receiver catch 20 touchdowns in the same season. Pretty insane. Yeah, the offense is just nuts. And it it really kind of highlights the fact that last year they had who Henry Ruggs, Jerry, Judy, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle, right receiver. I mean, we knew it as it was happening. Everyone talked about last year about how insane those four were, and they're all going to go in the first round you know half of them in the top half of the first round but i don't know it's just that is nuts it's crazy but it's one thing to have the receiving talent but it's another thing to have a quarterback who can get him the ball right like we've we've all talked about this year how aj brown and dk metcalf were on the same team but no one really cared about it because they didn't have a quarterback who get him the ball having a top five overall pick in tua with those four receivers is even more absurd yeah, it's, it's wild. But anyway, Devontae Smith, he should win the Heisman, and I look forward to the first ever virtual Heisman ceremony from him tomorrow night. Should be a good speech. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And then moving on to the second game, very unpredictable, like I already said. Maybe the most unpredictable part is Justin Fields. He's got to be the lead story there. Everyone started kind, of, started kind of jumping off of the Justin Fields bandwagon, people talking about him no longer being the number two quarterback in the draft, debating whether or not he can play against high-quality competition. And then he just comes out there and absolutely torches Clemson for six touchdowns despite getting rocked by that Skalski guy that loves to target, target in every big game. Yeah, did, so, he, did he break more ribs than Drew Brees on that hit? He, he might have broken a lot of things. He might have broken his kidneys. He might have broken a lot of stuff. <laughs> it wasn't great, but yeah, unbelievable performance from Justin Fields. Threw for 385 yards and six touchdowns. And when you hear those numbers, like you think that they were just kind of maybe playing from behind. They did get down 7-0, maybe just airing it out the whole game. But then you look at the box score and Trey Sermon carried it 31 times for 193. Yeah, they were just dominant on offense. Clemson had no answers whatsoever for that Ohio State offense. No, not at all. I mean, they started out and got a stop on the first drive. Ohio State went three and out, but after after getting down seven to nothing, ended up winning forty nine to twenty eight. I mean, they just looked really scary, and it, it sets up a good matchup for next week. Yeah, that offense now that Trey Sermon's really gotten in the mix is super scary. He ran for three hundred thirty one against Northwestern in the Big Ten championship, and then how many yards did he run for in this game? 230 something 193 193 yeah whatever he's been crushing it and then they've got really good receivers on the outside Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are great guys to throw the ball to they got a bunch of big tight ends running around there looking like Gronk and then Justin Fields being dangerous on the ground and through the air that's a scary offense it is, and it just sets up such a good shootout next Monday night. I mean, these these teams, like you think of them, and you think of generally pretty good defenses, but this year, both of their strengths are offense, and it's it's close to a record for the national championship next week in terms of the over-under. I think Bama's favored by eight, but the over-under is 75, so they're, they're predicting a shootout. Yeah, it's crazy. We've talked about this before, but it's just another sign of the times that college football and football in general has changed. Saban came out earlier this year and said this, but it's just so true is that defense no longer wins championships in football you got to be able to outscore the opponent these high-powered offenses are what does it LSU was a prime example last year these are two really really good offenses and I think both defenses are going to have a very tough time getting some stops 
Yeah, and a great way to kind of look at, like you mentioned, how college football has evolved the last 10 years is Nick Saban came to Alabama and won, what, three or four national championships one way, running the ball and playing Mm -hmm. defense and having a game manager at quarterback like A.J. McCarron or Greg McElroy, John Parker Wilson, whoever it was. And he just kind of (laughs) realized, like you said, it's the game's changing. You got to be able to air it out. You got to be able to score 40 points against even really good defenses to win a natty. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this game. It pains me to say this as a Georgia fan, but I feel like it's important to give credit where credit is due. What a sign of an incredible football coach who is capable of completely transforming the identity of his team from that defense and running team to this aired out team in order to keep on winning. Like he's just done an incredible job maintaining success despite the fact that football as a whole has changed. Yeah, well, before we move on from this game, Alabama minus eight over under 75 what you got i'm gonna need a a winner and a score prediction from you i'm gonna go with ohio state plus eight i think bama wins but ohio state covers the spread and i'm going over 75 yeah i'm i'm with you so i'm going 41 to 38 on the score so that's an over on 75 i I, i'm kind of flipping a coin on who's gonna win i'm gonna take ohio state whoever gets the ball last wins i think ohio state kicks a game-winning field goal as time expires 41 38 yeah they're coming in hot can we talk for a second about how much of a lose-lose situation this is for us like we were kind of banking on clemson there oh yeah we really were certainly weren't banking on notre dame but clemson was supposed to save the world yeah so we've either got alabama winning who has broken our hearts so many times in huge games or we have Justin Fields the guy that we let go in favor of Jake Fromm being the one to finally overcome Bama in a big game it just doesn't really get a whole lot worse than this for Georgia fans no it definitely sucks and I don't want to hear the I don't want to hear you know the Justin Fields thing for years so I'm kind of pulling for Bama because I don't know I get your point but I'm numb to Bama I'm not. You don't have any Bama coworkers. I do. Yeah, I don't. It it just doesn't matter anymore. Like, I don't know if you think of this, but I, I go back to like when we played the NCAA video games, and I picture like scrolling through teams, and you you see the helmets, you know, mm-hmm. and the number on their helmet was twelve mm-hmm. for how many national championships they've won. And now on College Game Day, when you see the Alabama helmet on set, it's seventeen. Like the number is just gonna kind of casually keep ticking up as long as Saban's there. It is what it is they're going to win it at least every other year and that's okay yeah they don't really get as much enjoyment out of it anymore you know like they don't get as excited as they used to which is i guess kind of nice <laughs> I, just, yeah, I just don't want to deal with it yeah I, I'm, I'm pulling for bama reluctantly but yeah like you said I, I just i want the justin fields thing to be over so that he's in the nfl and no longer my enemy all right these are sad thoughts let's move on to happy thoughts let's we have, do it we have back to back on saturday and sunday this weekend triple headers for the nfl wild card weekend you want to go ahead and talk about these games and take them in order yeah i'm pretty excited about it at first i was kind of against the taking the buy away from the two seed but now that we have three games and it lasts like pretty much all day it's gonna be amazing back-to-back triple headers is sick let's go ahead and before we get there recap a little bit of what went down in week 17 so first of all you had the browns get the w to clinch their first playoff berth in 700 years which is pretty sick yeah let's go browns good for y'all we knew that one good team was going to get left out of that afc playoff picture and that was the miami dolphins after they took an l this weekend yeah, I mean, the whole weekend was pretty much chalk in the NFL. I mean, there wasn't really anything super unexpected. Like you mentioned, those five teams in the AFC were sitting there at 10 and 5. One of them needed to lose for the Colts to get in, but it happened as expected. Like the Dolphins were going up against the Bills in Buffalo. The Bills have looked amazing the last month or so. They got blown out. The Dolphins did 56 to 26. So the Finns are out, the Colts are in. 
Yes, and then the Washington football team finally wound up as the winner of the lowly NFC East. I just thank God that's over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess the one upset of the weekend was the game in the NFC East before that at one o'clock, the Giants beating the Cowboys, which would have been the NFC East championship if Washington would have lost. But it's kind of funny the way it played out. Did you see what happened in the Sunday night football game with the Eagles in Washington? I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> so the Giants beat the Cowboys, and to make the playoffs and win the East, they needed Washington to lose. So the Eagles go up 14 to 10 in the night game. Then Washington answers with a touchdown, goes up 17 14. And then in the middle, or like towards the beginning of the third quarter, the Eagles just bench Jalen Hurts in order to play Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> just kind of like openly tanking and you you know that teams are going to tank in the NFL and that they do but just to see it so explicitly in week 17 one to get a higher draft pick and two to screw over your division rival it was pretty shocking a lot of people were upset about it Giants players and fans were just all over Twitter yeah that's that's got to be the most overt example of tanking ever, right? Like most of the time, all the players are out there. Your best players are out there. You just don't have very good players, right? You trade all your good guys away for draft assets. You throw kind of a bad team out there and they lose. But benching your best quarterback in the middle of the game, that's pretty bold. It is. And I, I saw one tweet about it. It's like people are complaining about the Eagles playing Nate Sudfeld for uh, one quarter. The Jags played Mike Glennon for four games. <laughs> but it's true. Like it is true. Gardner Minshew, he's not great, but he's better than Mike freaking Glennon. Like that is active tanking, but it just didn't look as egregious as what the Eagles did. And what's crazy to me about it is apparently Carson Wentz wants out and is going to demand a trade. They said he kind of has irreconcilable differences with Doug Peterson at this point. So if that's the case, don't they want as much time as possible to evaluate if Jalen Hurts is the guy moving forward or if they should spend that number six overall pick on another quarterback no they're keeping Jalen Hurts they're 100% keeping him it doesn't matter but but why don't you want to see him play get him more time with his teammates get him more playing time I, I just don't get that I don't know I think they're just ready for next year they just wanted to lose the game and they wanted to take it to next season I, I just don't think that it mattered anymore I think they they have to get rid of Carson Wentz he's not going to be their starting quarterback in the future it's like you said irreconcilable differences the relationship is quote fractured I think is what it said it's just it's not going to happen he gone all right, fair enough. Well, before we get to Wild Card Weekend, I want to talk about two historical things that happened in Week 17. Derrick Henry, El Tractorcito, became the eighth player in NFL history to rush for 2,000 yards. Guy's a freaking beast. He is an absolute monster. We were, I texted you and dad the other day after he rushed for 2,000 yards. His senior and high school stats when he ran for like 4,200 4, yards and I think 55 touchdowns or something absurd like that. And he hasn't stopped since then. The guy's just a monster. He's very, very hard to tackle. <laughs> yeah. And it's just crazy to think about how his first couple years in the league, the offense wasn't that good. Marcus Mariota was under center. He just, you know, didn't really do much at all and then just kind of exploded the past few years. But I have a question for you. In Derrick Henry's Hall of Fame speech, who's the first he's going to thank? God, his mom, or Ryan Tannehill? Hopefully God. <laughs> that's, that's my vote. Yeah, it's, it's a toss-up. But anyway, Derrick Henry, good for him. He's going up against the Ravens this weekend in a rematch from last year. So that's going to be interesting. But the second historical thing, it's it's a trivia question I got for you. Ooh, what's that? So the Browns, they snapped their 18-year playoff drought. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Hadn't made the playoffs since 2002. So now, who is the current longest playoff drought in the NFL? Well, that's a good question because the second longest was snapped as well, was it not? Who was it? I'm pretty sure the Bucks also snapped their the second longest winning streak. Really? I didn't yeah. even know that. So I think the Browns were 18 seasons, right? 
Yep, since okay. 2002. Yep. Okay, and I think the Bucks were 12. I think the Bucks were like 2007 or 2008, the last time they made the playoffs. So there was the number one and number two longest playoff streaks snapped in the same year. Wow, okay. okay. I didn't see that. I just I saw that the Browns snapped their 18 year, so I was just curious who the current longest streak was. So I looked it up, and I don't know about you, but I was a little shocked by the answer. Okay, I'm trying to think. I would, because the first one that comes to mind is the Lions have to be up there somewhere, right? No, they so, made it not that long ago. They made it one, one yeah, year. Yeah, because they lost ago. to the Cowboys right, on right, that. Right. Not, Tinetti would call it a terrible pass interference call or lack thereof, but I thought it was a great call. Uh, hit me with it. Who is it? The Jets. Okay. Wow. I was pretty surprised by that because the last time they made the playoffs was 2010. They lost the AFC championship game with Mark Sanchez, Rex Ryan at coach. That just, it doesn't feel like it would be them. No, and I feel like when the team makes it a little bit deeper, like when they make it to the conference championship, it seems like a bigger deal so you remember that it sticks in your mind more than just a team making it to the first round and losing yeah it's yeah. just weird in hindsight like it's really hard to believe that mark sanchez didn't win a couple super bowls you know i still think <laughs> that the <laughs> that the butt fumble is my favorite play in professional sports history yeah it was amazing it's, it's incredible wasn't there a butt recovery earlier this year <laughs> wayne gallman almost did it wayne yesterday. <laughs> almost yeah he almost laid an egg last night yeah yeah that'll happen all right, let's go ahead and talk about these uh, week one in the playoff wildcard NFL matchups, starting with the first one, which is the Bills versus the Colts at 105 on Saturday, Eastern time. What you got there? So I'm really excited for this one, but I'm honestly really nervous about it because I feel like the Bills this season have kind of become America's sweetheart. Like everyone's all over them. Like I said on our they're last mine. episode, you know, they're yeah. mine. <laughs> like I said on our last episode, like people are already penciling them into the AFC championship game in Arrowhead against the Chiefs, you know, see if they can knock off the Super Bowl champion. So I'm just nervous for them. The city of Buffalo, we talked about how they once upon a time lost four Super Bowls in a row. Like they just have this huge monkey on their back I feel bad for their fans because after like 90 years in a row of the Patriots winning that division they finally have this amazing 13 and 3 season and they can't even go to the games so I'm just I'm really pulling for the bills here I'm just a little nervous for them yeah I'm nervous too because as you know and I've said many times on this podcast they're my squad this playoffs I'm riding the bills don't forget like it's not just that they're good they're coming in they're the hottest team in the NFL right now they've won six games in a row all six by double digits, including the last three by 29, 29, and 30 points. Like, they're blowing kids out. So the one thing that does make me nervous about the Colts is the Colts have found the running game. Jonathan Taylor is on a roll recently. He got overshadowed this past weekend by the huge performance to cross 2,000 yards for Derrick Henry. But Jonathan Taylor ran for 253 yards and two touchdowns this past weekend. If the Colts can run the ball, they have a chance to win. I'm still taking the Bills, though. Love my guys. Definitely taking the Bills over Noodle Arm Phil. If the Bills get up early and force them to throw it, it it's going to be a blowout. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's weird because it's two really good teams with totally different philosophies. The the Colts want to pound Jonathan Taylor, give him the ball 25 to 30 times, and the Bills don't even pretend like they're going to run. <laughs> like Josh Allen might scramble a little bit. He might run for a couple of touchdowns once they get into the red zone, but they just want to air it out with Josh Allen, specifically to Stephon Diggs. I mean, they've been unbelievable this year. Yeah, they're a, they're a really good rushing team around the goal line, but Elsewhere, they like to air it out. Do you know who the leading rusher is this year? Uh, is it Zach Moss? He's second. Devin Singletary's first. And do you know how many yards their leading rusher Devin Singletary has this year? God, 
687. So not many. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So 687 for Singletary, 41 for Zach Moss, and 421 for Josh Allen. So those are the three biggest rushers they got. They're airing it out. Nice. Well, last thing on this game, it's funny because I was looking at the ESPN schedule and out to the right under tickets, it has tickets as low as. And for the other three games, they range from $229 to $775. For the Bills, I don't know if you heard, but they are allowing 6,000 fans in the stadium. Bills Mafia, baby. You know Bills Mafia. They are just an incredible fan base. They're pretty diehard and first home game first home playoff game in a long time tickets as low as thirteen thousand nine hundred eighteen dollars wow bills fans are, are coming out in full force that all six thousand well there's that leaves room for about ninety four thousand to be outside the stadium chucking each other through tables i cannot wait for the instagram videos of this weekend outside of the bill stadium it's oh gonna it's gonna be, be insane so lit yeah jumping off rvs through tables lighting themselves on fire lighting themselves on fire and then jumping through tables throwing their friends through tables they have like newborn babies and like as their first act of coming home they like put their babies through little styrofoam tables like, yeah that's what they do yeah <laughs> i love it though i don't hate anything as much as buffalo bills fans hate tables <laughs> yes. but anyway let's move on to the 440 game on saturday a divisional matchup in the nfc west the los angeles charger or the los angeles rams at the seattle seahawks who you got in this one yeah, this one's kind of weird because I feel like things have changed a lot with both of these two teams in the last four to six weeks, right? Like, first of all, we talked about recently how the Seahawks offense has kind of started to struggle. Their defense has never really been the strong suit of their team. The Rams were on a roll, then they got cold, and Jared Goff got hurt. So this is a weird one. I'm going to have to go with the team with the better quarterback, which already was Russell Wilson. But this weekend with Jared Goff and his thumb injury, it's especially Russell Wilson. I'm taking the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, with Jared Goff doubtful to play, if you just simply look at the John Wolford versus Russell Wilson matchup, it's really hard to take the Rams, especially on the road. God, I don't know. The Seahawks offense has just been so bad. But yeah, I'm going with the home favorite in this one. I don't have much confidence in them at all. My preseason Super Bowl pick, Seahawks, um, to, you know, advance past this round. But I got to take them. I'm going Seahawks win this game 13 to 6. Yikes. (laughs) Big yikes. So bad. Yeah, I feel like in this type of scenario, Jared Goff, I would be shocked if he doesn't play. I think he's going to play, but I think he's going to struggle. Having an injury on your throwing hand thumb is just not an easy way to go. There's there's not a way around it. Like you're you're just kind of screwed. So yeah, Seahawks it is. All right. Well, let's move on to the night game. Tampa Bay at Washington. The seven and nine NFC East champion gets to host a playoff game against the GOAT, Tom Brady. Tom Brady versus Alex Smith. What better matchup could you ask for? Man, I don't know about you. Like, I don't know what your first impression is when you see this line, but Bucks minus eight. I think I would slam that hard, right? Like the Washington football team, they suck. They're seven and nine. They're sub 500 team in the playoffs. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have Tom Brady on fire right now, looking really, really good. I'm ripping bucks minus eight all day. You are? Yes. Wow. I'm going opposite end of the spectrum. I am taking the Washington football team outright. No way. This is my upset of the week. I No way. I, I mentioned this. I don't know if it was last episode or the one before, but this is not a favorable matchup for the Bucks. Tom Brady historically have- struggles a ton against pressure. His delta and his quarterback rating against pressure versus without pressure is bigger than a lot of the top quarterbacks in the league. He does not like it when guys are in his face and Washington has a good pass rush. I just don't think it's a good matchup for him. You think the greatest quarterback of all time is going to go down in the first round of the playoffs to a sub 500 team? I do. Okay. What can we bet on this? Oh man. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. There's some show, there's some new like dating show on Netflix that looks horrendous. If 
the Bucks win, if the Bucks cover the spread, if the Bucks minus eight, you have to watch that entire show this weekend. What's it called? I'll find the name of it. It looks horrible. Okay, I'll do it, and that sucks, but let's just bet straight up. And since the odds are heavily in your favor, if the Washington football team wins, then you have to eat a spoonful of cinnamon on our next episode. <laughs> okay, you got a deal. <laughs> let's do I'm it. In. I'm in. I cannot wait for this. Okay. All right, yeah, I'm going Washington, 20 to 19. Heck of a deal. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, let's move on to Sunday. This is the game I think I am most excited about for this weekend. We mentioned the rematch of last year's shocking upset when the Titans beat the one-seed Ravens. It's going to be a really fun one. Baltimore at Tennessee. Lamar Jackson, the offense has looked rejuvenated. Derrick Henry on the Titans, you know, they're going to want to run the ball too. Who you got in this one? Well, first of all, this is my favorite game of the weekend because I think it's the closest matchup. This is a really, really tough call, but I think I'm going with the Ravens. I think that they're just going to be on, this is the beginning of their revenge tour after last year. They're on a mission. They got a good squad. Like you said, they're back on track. So I'm taking the Ravens over the Titans, but this is going to be a close one. On the leg of Justin Tucker, once again. <laughs> the leg of Justin Tucker. Yeah, I mean, and I, I just, I feel like this is going to be a pretty high scoring game just because the Titans defense is not great. Like you just saw them a couple weeks ago get shredded by the Packers. I just think both offenses are going to come out hot here. They've looked pretty good recently. The Titans just won this week. 41-38 over the Texans. So I don't know. I think both teams are going to want to establish the ground game, but are going to end up throwing it a good bit. And I think it's going to be high scoring, but I'm taking the Titans here to win it at home 34-31. That's 0% surprising. You're a big Tannehill guy. I'm a huge Tannehill guy. I think he's maybe the most underrated player in the league. Fair enough. By the way, I found out the name of the show. It is called Are You the One on Netflix. You heard of this? You're, you're joking. I am, I am not joking. Um, so Tori and I, over the past two weeks have watched rewatched the first six seasons of the show are you kidding me it's amazing you voluntarily watch it yeah it's incredible (laughs) yikes okay i gotta dude it's so good give me give me a few minutes and i will find something else that you must watch this weekend i I shouldn't have given myself away you shouldn't have um let's see here well you're gonna be eating a spoonful of cinnamon anyway so i'm not really worried about it (laughs) just find something real quick Hmm. <laughs> to all the boys I've loved before. Oh, goodness. Yes, yeah, that's it. All right. It's, it's only one. It looks like it's, it's a movie, apparently. It's an hour and 40 minutes. That's not the worst punishment ever. But you have to watch To All the Boys I've Loved Before and give a one to two minute review of it on next episode if you lose the bet. So if Tom Brady wins a first round playoff game, I have to watch To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Yeah, it's better than watching an entire season of some crap show. Oh, what have I done? Okay, fair enough. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the 440 game on Sunday. It is the Bears, who I think went like 8-8, and they just got killed by the Packers in Week 17, just an incredibly average playoff team. Bears at New Orleans Saints. Who you got in this one? Yeah, once again, it just comes down to a quarterback matchup here. It comes down to more than that. Like the Saints are an overall better team than the Bears. But when you got Drew Brees going against Mitchell Trubisky, I'm going to go Saints all day. They're just by far the overall more talented team, even though I do love a couple guys in the Bears, especially my guy Roquan. But Saints it is all day. All right. Well, to take a page out of the famous Lee Corso's book, not so fast, my friend. Goodness gracious. No, you're not. You're not doing this. I don't believe you. I am. The Superdome is just not quite the same advantage it normally is without fans. I just, I think that the Bears are going to go on the road and win this one. It's a huge game for Mitchell Trubisky as he's trying to get a contract extension. And I just, gosh, I still still don't believe that you're serious. Are you serious right now? Yeah. So you're going to go against Tom Brady, Andrew Brees in the first round. I am. 
You're you're psycho. Don't don't these guys' runs have to end at some point? Yeah, but not to the Bears and the football team. I mean, Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray were on the COVID list this past week. I don't know if they're going to be able to practice all week. They're not going to be 100%. I'm not sure if Michael Thomas is even going to play coming off of IR. Drew Brees is still recovering from his ribs. Drew Brees is rumored to be retiring after the season. I don't know. I mean, the Saints have been my pick to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl the last three years, and this is where I finally quit them. I just don't think that their offense is going to get it going against this Bears team. Just like they have the last couple of years. I mean, didn't they get upset in the first round by the Vikings last year? Yes, but it's just not going to happen this year. The, the Bears, I will remind you, are starting Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. Yeah. They suck. They're so bad. <laughs> they do, but this is going to be a huge upset. The Bears are taking it, and there are going to be two huge quarterback implications after this game. One, it's going to be a very sad ending to Drew Brees' career. This will be his last game. And Mitchell Trubisky hilariously is going to get a contract extension from the Bears, and it's going to be a horrible decision. Trubisky is going to go out with 11 broken ribs and a broken heart. (laughs) Yes, he is. Absolutely. This is is tough. All right, well, I'm going to remember this, and if this just goes horribly in the wrong direction for you and the Saints win like 38 to nothing, I'm going to have to remind you of it. Bears 17-16, setting them up for a second-round matchup to go back up to Lambeau and just get dismantled by the one-seed Packers. Fair enough. All right, we got one more game in the first round. we got the Browns versus the Steelers. What do you think about this one? So it kind of played out the way that we mentioned that it could last week. You know, they didn't end up having Mason Rudolph troll Miles Garrett into getting suspended for this game, but this is going to be a fun matchup. The Browns, I wish that they were playing at home since it was it's their first playoff game since 2002, but I don't know. I just, I got to take the Steelers in this one. I think it's going to be close to good defensive teams, but I'm going with the Steelers. I'm going opposite of you here. I'm going with the Browns and a little bit of an upset there, plus four and a half. The Steelers are just, like I've said this many times, I like teams that are going into the playoffs playing well, and the Browns aren't exactly on fire by any stretch of the imagination, but the Steelers over the past five or six weeks have just not looked good at all. I don't feel like they have any momentum going into this. They were missing Big Ben last weekend, and I'm not sure he's going to be fully healthy. I just think the youth of the Browns and the run game behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is going to take over. I'm taking the Browns in this one. Yeah, I think the Browns' time is coming, but I just don't think it's quite yet. They've historically struggled a ton against this Pittsburgh Steelers team. I think it's in their heads a little bit going up for a playoff game at Heinz Field. I kind of love what the Steelers did this past week. They said, screw it. We're not even going to go for the two seed. We're going to rest our guys, specifically Big Ben. So Ben's going to be ready to go. He's going to be fresh throwing to Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, they can't run the ball at all, so they better hope that Ben's healthy. But I'm going with the Steelers. I think that they pulled this one out 27-24. All right, we had a little Alpharetta High School Josh Josh Dobbs appearance over the weekend. That was fun. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I didn't know he was still in the NFL. He sure is. Good job, Josh. Didn't he, like, I don't think he dated, but he was hanging out with, like, Hannah Ann from The Bachelor recently good for him yeah great job <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to make of that but i saw the headlines so he, he's got here some, we are he's got some things going for him between his aerospace engineering degree and hannah ann so good work bro yeah <laughs> all right well that's about it for this upcoming uh nfl weekend and predictions for wildcard weekend you want to talk some, about some nfl and the coaching carousel yeah nfl and college have had a lot of coaching issues or not really issues but coaching changes and firings and potential hirings going on so what do you want to start with well the one that i want to start with is so you know how we talk about me being overreaction guy yes i think america is overreaction guy And it's because everyone was kind of starting to crap on Justin Fields for his play a little bit. And then he played amazing against Clemson. Now people are starting to talk about 
oh, can he go number one over uh, Trevor Lawrence to the Jags? And then come the rumors of potentially Urban Meyer to the Jags, which is throwing fuel on that fire with the Ohio State connection, obviously. So what do you think about Urban? Is he going to the Jaguars? This is really, really tricky. From what it sounds like, just the rumor mill going on, it sounds like he's seriously considering and he might do it. If you just kind of like threw this out there in a vacuum and I had no other outside information, I would have been like, no way he goes to the Jags. Like if he turned down some of the other opportunities he's had, he wouldn't do this. But it kind of sounds like he might do it, even to the point where they've talked about him making specific contract demands. I guess he wants like $12 million a year, which is a lot of money. But I have to say that I think he could do it because it sounds like he might actually do it. Yeah, I think so. And we should know within the next week or so. So yeah, I, they've got to make moves fast. Yeah, look forward to seeing it. But it sounds like he turned down the Texas job. So I kind of find that really interesting. I think earlier in his career, he obviously would have preferred Texas to the Jags. It's just kind of a more prestigious gig there. But I don't know, at the tail end of his career, you know, he has some well-documented health problems. I think maybe he just, he doesn't want the stress of a Texas job. But the Jags, I mean, he has a good setup, you know, some young talent, the number one overall pick where he could take Fields or Lawrence if he wants to, and just not a whole lot of expectations. It could be a pretty chill job for him. Yeah, and Jacksonville's not a bad place to live. And then you didn't even mention just the differences in general between coaching and college football in the NFL. The recruiting trail is a stressful deal, like staking your entire livelihood on whether or not an 18-year-old decides to come to your school. Like that just, that's kind of tough. So I think the NFL as time goes on, he ages and wants to be less stressed because of his health issues. I think the NFL is probably his more likely option. Yeah, I think so. So Urban Meyer to the Jags. If um, if it happens, you heard it here first. Yes, and we'll see how it goes. But there's a, been a few other coaching openings happened with firings the last few days. We've got Adam Gase and Anthony Lynn both got fired. Who else am I missing? There's like six NFL openings right now. Yeah, there are a bunch. Bill O'Brien with the Texans. Yep. And then the Falcons. I mean, they're interviewing Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator mm-hmm. and interim head coach for the job. And then today they interviewed offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy is 100% going to be an NFL head coach next year. You think so? Yes. Finally? Yes. Yeah, I don't know why he hasn't gotten the job the last couple of years. He's interviewed a handful of places. I guess, you know, an offensive coordinator who doesn't call the plays isn't quite as in high demand as those who do. Yeah. But, I mean, clearly he's a really good offensive mind. The understudy to Andy Reid has some great experience, connection to Patrick Mahomes, and that, you know, really high-octane offense. So I hope he gets the job, and getting it with the hometown Falcons, I think, would be really cool. Eric Bieniemy was in the lyrics to a Lil Wayne song back in the day. He when, certainly was. Do you remember the name of the song? No, I just remember the Eric Bieniemy back. Yeah, <laughs> live from 504. That's when I only listened to Lil Wayne. There you go. I got yeah, it. your Lil Wayne and Halo phase. Yes. yes. <laughs> Wife beater in the basement. Hey, hey, that, Shower once a week. Those were not all simultaneous. All right. Okay. <laughs> that, that's how I remember it. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. A serious question. <laughs> With all of these coaching openings in the NFL, if you were a highly in-demand coach and you got, had your, your pick, of any of those jobs you wanted, which one are you taking? Because I have one that I think I would clearly want to take. I want to know your opinion. Oh, I have an immediate answer, and I think it's one that, do we even mention yet that the Chargers fired Anthony Lynn? I mentioned Anthony Lynn. You did? Okay, yes. yeah, I mean, it's that one. Mm-hmm. Yes, you, not even close. You have Justin Herbert in place. I think he just threw the most touchdowns of any rookie in NFL history. They've got a lot of young talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, mm-hmm. who's de- dealt with injuries, but he's incredible. Um, I mean, yeah. It's in Los Angeles. Yeah, like a pretty sick job. You have at least like three to four franchise cornerstones and the guys you mentioned, Nick Bosa, Derwin James, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, like four monsters to build around. You have Justin Herbert on a rookie deal for the next three years. Like you're living in LA. That is the job. That is the job that everyone's going to want. 
in LA, a front office is willing to spend money, a destination that can recruit free agents. Like there's nothing really missing from that job. So I think that that's got to be number one. Yes, I completely agree. And then somehow I think I would put the Jets number two just because it's in New York. Maybe. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think partially it depends on how much decision-making power they would want to give a head coach because I think the one most appealing part about the Jets job, other than the fact that it's in New York, is how many draft picks they have coming up in the next few years. So if the head coach gets some decision-making power on those draft picks, I think that's going to be a more enticing job if they can have more control of their personnel. But we'll kind of see. That's just such a bad situation right now. Yeah, well, I mean, if they want to get two birds stoned at once, they can hire Bill O'Brien. If they want the (laughs) head coach to have, you know, GM responsibilities, I think that Bill O'Brien and the Jets just are absolutely made for each other. Nice. Yeah, well, I'm going to go ahead and make a bold prediction, although I'm not sure it's that bold. I think they're going to keep Sam Darnold for next year. You do? I do. I don't. I just think that a a new new GM head coach combo will just kind of want to hit the restart button. I, I think that they'll try to trade Sam Darnold because I could see a team actually trading a decent, you know, mid-round pick for him. But I don't know. I just, I think that it's time to start over. Fair enough. Yeah. I just think he's got enough promise and he's still young enough that I think they're going to hold on to him. Just go with the best player available when their pick comes around at the top of the first round and ro- roll it out from there. Yeah. Well, overreaction guys all, all across America would say that Justin Fields, he's not going to fall past two with how he played last game. Yeah, you're probably right. And so Zach Wilson is still in the top, whatever, five or six. He's right there in the mix. So a lot of things could happen early in the draft, specifically with quarterbacks. Yeah. And staying on the Jets, I mean, they're just an interesting one because the third option, you know, option one is keeping Darnold and option two is drafting a quarterback at two. But option three, which I might go with, is trading down. I mean, a team that's just devoid of talent like that, you need to stack young talent on rookie contracts if you're ever going to be able to win. So that could happen too. Yeah, that might be what it comes down to decision wise. It might be like, hey, if we can trade down and get enough back, we'll keep Darnold. And if we don't, then we're going to draft somebody like it could come down to that. It could. And the draft is crazy because we talked about the Jags at one. They're going to take a quarterback. A quarterback could go two to the Jets. And then at number three, the Dolphins. I mean, people are talking about how they could. No way. They're not going to do it. Like two hasn't looked good, but that's it's too early to abandon ship. It's just too early. You can't do it that fast. I know, but you, you at least mentioned if the uh, Eagles might trade Jalen Hurts and try to draft a quarterback. I mean, it's possible. No, they're going to, they're keeping their coach. It's like, I can see that when, with a new coaching change, the Josh Rosen, Cliff Kingsbury thing is the first one that comes to mind, but you're not going to do that with the, with a team that just won as many games as they did with the roster coming back, the coach coming back. They're not, they cannot trade Tua. Fair enough. Remains to be seen. But then you got the Falcons at four. They're in the mix for a quarterback. Falcons are very much in the mix for a quarterback. I completely agree there. Yep. Maybe the Eagles at six. Like there are just so many teams that could be in the mix for a quarterback. And then when you factor in teams that will want to trade up for one, I think this is going to be a really fun draft. Yeah. And then you factor in some moves that you completely don't expect, like the Packers last year going quarterback. Like that's possible. If someone likes somebody enough, even if they have an established quarterback, you still got a few years left. They could still do what the Packers did. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the top nine and the Bengals at five are the only team I see that is absolutely not going to take a quarterback. I mean, you've got Philly at six, Detroit at seven. They could at some point with a new GM and new head coach, they might trade Stafford, reboot, and pick a quarterback. They might. You got the Panthers at eight. They yep. need one. They've only got Teddy Bridgewater under contract for one more year. And then you got the Broncos at nine. I mean, Drew Locke is absolutely not the answer. That guy's a freaking bum. Yeah, the Broncos, I would be shocked if the Broncos don't take a quarterback. Yeah, so 
it's already draft season. It's been draft season for me. You know, I'm a huge mock draft guy, so it's it's draft season year round. But three months, we'll Let's find out. Let's get it. Can't wait. All right, then one more piece of coaching news in the college football world is Steve Sarkeesian, the Alabama offensive coordinator, going to University of Texas to be their head coach. What do you think about that? I don't know. My my initial reaction was that I kind of liked it just because he's kind of been spearheading that amazing Alabama offense under not just Tua Tagovailoa but also Mac Jones the last two years. So I feel like it's a good hire. It's a guy who has head coaching experience. Uh, you know, failed at USC, but then went to. Nick Saban's school of rehab for a couple years and now he's back on top um so I, I like it on one hand but on the other hand it almost feels like the Tom Herman hire all over again yes, right for it's, sure. it's it's the guy who's orchestrating a really good offense at a place where a lot of people could succeed mm-hmm. so it's just sometimes when a coordinator does a really good job under a great head coach like Urban Meyer or Nick Saban it's just hard to know who to attribute that success to so it could work out but I, I just don't know yeah, he's 47 and 35 as a head coach in his previous two stops at Washington and USC, which is not too impressive. Texas as a brand right now is just down. They've got a lot of work to do to build back up. They can't keep anybody in, in state recruiting-wise, and everybody's going in there to poach. We were looking at it the other day when we were at dinner, and they have two of the top 25 recruits in the state of Texas for this 21, 2021 class based on 24-7's rankings. They just they don't have any momentum right now. they got a long way to go. So I hope he does well, particularly because we grew up as Texas fans, and our dad's a big Texas fan. We want them to do well, but I'm just going to leave the jury out until we see what happens. Yeah, I mean, Sark definitely has a heavy lift there. Um, but if he can put the right staff around him and start recruiting well, I mean, I I think it could work. The The rumor for defensive coordinator is that Will Muschamp could return. I think that would be a great hire, would make a ton of sense for both parties. So hopefully that happens. Offensive coordinator, I don't know, but Sark's an offensive guy. So Yeah, you say return. I think a lot of people would probably forget that Will Muschamp was the defensive coordinator under Mac Brown back in the day before he left to take the Florida job, correct? Yes, and he has a great track record as a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Didn't do well as head coach at Florida or South Carolina, but very well respected as a defensive mind. So I think that would be a great get for them. I agree. There are a lot of coaches who I think, we've talked about this, who are really, really good coordinators and are just not cut out to be head coaches. I think Will Muschamp might be one of those. I think he's a phenomenal defensive coordinator. I would love to have him for any of my teams as a D coordinator, just not head coach. But yeah, it would be a great pickup for them if they could get him. Yeah, I'm with you. But I think that about wraps it up for football talk. You want to talk about NBA real quick? Yeah, NBA, we're still really early on. Most teams are six or seven games into the season. One thing that's kind of sticking out, which it's a small sample size, but there are several teams who you'd expect to be doing really well. The teams that are kind of the favorites this year who are struggling, namely the Brooklyn Nets are three and four, the Heat are two and three the Raptors are one and four so that's the Eastern Conference kind of struggle bust there and then in the Western Conference you got the Nuggets at two and four the Mavs at two and four so yeah I got a kind of a few teams that are just a little bit behind their early season expectations yeah and it's funny because you mentioned the teams that are behind expectations and they pretty much are all in the east like you said, the mm-hmm. Bucks, the Heat, they're the Celtics, they're all down a little bit. The Nets aren't doing as well as expected, but you know, with with the two new guys, especially with their injury history, people expected that they might come slow out of the gate. But the story of the Eastern Conference to me so far is the Philadelphia 76ers. I think they're up there at 5 and 1, yep. currently in first place in the Eastern Conference and it's funny cuz they really didn't have a whole lot of roster turnover. I just feel like like you said it is a small sample size, but just kind of a culture change there. Like I th- just think bringing in Daryl Morey as GM and Doc Rivers as head coach. They're just starting to take things more seriously. I've seen videos of Ben Simmons 
staying after the game and shooting threes with Dwight Howard. Like, I just feel like it's a little bit of a change when you have guys that are established and have won before, like Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey probably came in there and were like, dude, you have a chance to be like an incredible all-time great player. Learn how to shoot the freaking three, dude. Yeah, I think I told you I, t- I turned on their game the other day for like 10 seconds before I had to run out the door. And the first thing I saw was Ben Simmons hit a three which I think was his first three of the year, but still like at least a step in the right direction. One thing that I think has really benefited them, even though they weren't like huge name moves is, is between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. They need floor spacing around those guys. You have to have some shooters. Tobias Harris is not a great shooter. And they had Josh Richards in there last year who didn't shoot the ball very well. So they traded him for Seth Curry, who most people don't realize Seth Curry, like percentage wise is one of the top, I think five percentage three-point shooters in NBA history. Guy can shoot the rock. And then they also had a Danny Green, who people love to hate on Danny Green because he was terrible last year in the playoffs. But Danny Green's also a good three-point shooter. So having a little bit more floor spacing around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can make a huge difference. It can. So keep an eye on the Sixers, see if they can stay atop the Eastern Conference. And like me and you had talked about, it's going to be a crazy playoffs this year just because the shortened season, guys missing games from COVID, guys resting after the short off season I just feel like the standings are going to look wild this year like there might be a team get a seven or eight seed that you would have expected to get a top you know two or three seed but they're just not going to care that much about home court advantage with no fans so it's just I don't know it's going to be going to be a wild year yeah I agree and then a couple of surprising teams in a positive way one is the Phoenix Suns which I think are probably the least surprising of the surprising teams because a lot of people given their finish last year in the bubble going eight and oh and their offseason moves particularly the addition of Chris Paul thought the Suns were going to be good and they look really legit they lost to the Clippers last night but I'm still all in on the Suns they're currently tied for first in the Western Conference at five and two the top of the east right now looks really funny because behind the Sixers you got the Pacers the Cavs the Magic and the Hawks all four and two which is just not at all what you'd expect oh I'm not surprised at all I told you I did my my NBA wins draft with a few of my friends and two of my teams are the Magic and Hawks and I will be shocked if they don't both win 60 games so (laughs) all in on the Magic and the Hawks this year Uh, I don't want to do this to you but like how many guys can you name on the Magic (laughs) um DJ Augustine, Dwight Howard, <laughs> no. Hito Turkaloo, Tracy McGrady, Richard Lewis, Richard Lewis, Penny Hardaway, yep, Shaquille O'Neal, Alfred Payton. Okay, nice. Yeah, those are all correct. Um, but in seriousness, the current team—I mean, there's Markel Fultz, mm-hmm. Nikola Vucevic. Yeah. Um, you named the leading scorer last last time, so I'll give it to you, Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon. Yeah, good job. You're killing it, Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier. So yep. They're okay. They have a bunch of just kind of mid-level players other than Nikola Vucevic, who for a long time, because he's stuck in the Magic, has been grossly underrated. He's Walt a, Disney. He's, yeah. He's, <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, what was the nickname? Oh, we got w- Wilt Disney. Is that his name? Yeah. That's because sick. Because obviously Wilt Chamberlain, and then when they were playing the playoffs in the bubble in Orlando, Wilt Disney. Yep. Vooch, Nick, Walt Disney. That's sick. <laughs> yeah. All in on the magic. I love them. Love that. All right. Well, is that going to be it for today? That's all I got, man. All right. Well, sweet. Well, I'm 30 again. now. I don't have the stamina to do longer no, episodes it's, like it's we late, used to. No, it's late, dude. It's 8.14 at night. We can, yeah, it's we, way past my bedtime. We've got to go to bed. Old guys out here. Not in my 20s anymore. Yeah. Well, thank you all for tuning in once again. That's going to be a wrap for today's episode. Don't forget to follow us and subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify. Leave us some ratings and reviews. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. Have a good day. Oh.